Tonight we're going to be in Matthew chapter 24. It's one of the most famous chapters in all of the Bible as it pertains to the end times. I was talking with Miss Babs a while back and she had mentioned that she wanted to do uh, some type of Bible study and she wanted me and Miss Tamara Wells to get together and do it on possibly Wednesday night, maybe six weeks of just talking about end time things that are going on. So we, we, if you, if you would like more information on that, you could sign up in the info center, uh, and you know, we can talk about it. I'm not sure exactly when it's going to start, but Ms. Babs told me, God told me specifically to talk to you and he said that you need to do this. So I said, Amen. Let's, let's do it. If Ms. Babs says God told her, I'm not questioning. Amen. Tonight, I want to discuss some of the clearest signs that you literally will see on every news program from Paspa 2 to the ABC shows in the morning to 5 o'clock to 5.30 to 6 o'clock to 10 o'clock news. You will see all of these headlines just about every single time. And this is not to alarm you, but to give you understanding and clarity of what you're seeing today. My point in this message is to show you that God Almighty is in absolute control of every aspect of what is going on in life. And God is about to show up and wrap this thing up. But I'm going to end the message with the only thing that you and I can do in the midst of these signs. In Matthew 24, verses 3 through 14, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am the Christ and deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And then you shall be delivered up, and, and then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many shall be offended and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity, or lawlessness, it says, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end shall come. There is a lot here to unpack, obviously, and I'm going to try to be as quick as possible. But please just bear with me because I believe that the Lord has given this message and he wants you to know exactly what is going on. Because I know there's a lot of people that are walking around very fearful, very discontent, very worried. They feel like the world is out of control, like everything is upside down, but really it is right side up. You're seeing the kingdom of God because it's completely opposite of what you're seeing here. And as we as believers continue to move forward, we're going to see some clarity on some things. But what I'm about to explain to you tonight, you're seeing if you just understand what these words mean. The disciples come to Jesus. You got to remember there was Roman occupation during this time. And Rome had their foot on the necks of the Jewish people. And they were being ruled by Rome. And what they were asking Jesus is, when are you coming back to set up your kingdom to get Rome off of our neck? When are you going to be the political savior that we need you to be? This is what they are asking them. And they asked when, meaning be very concrete. Tell us when or when is this time going to be? And what exactly are the sign? What is the sign? And Jesus gives them multiple signs. So the first thing that I want to show you is deception will be rampant. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, it says, Take heed that no man deceive you. Take heed literally means watch and pay attention. Matthew 24, 11, And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. Jesus warned that there would be worldwide deception. What I want you to see as well is this is 
all over the place. This is not American signs. We think, we think that the world revolves around America. It does not. This is worldwide. We don't need to say, well, I don't see it happening in this nation. Therefore, I don't believe we're in the end. It is happening in this nation and it is happening all over the world. He said this to jar them, to get them to see exactly what was going on. Deception in the Greek means to wander off course. It's, 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 it's that it is as if you are going on a, on a, on a path and you wander off, whether it's personally, whether it's as a nation, whether it's a, it is worldwide. We see as if people are losing their minds. People are saying there is no such thing as truth and they are saying things as my truth. This is my truth, right? This is happening in rapid and colossal fashion. Just as a nation, we see that we have drifted spiritually, morally, lawlessly, even creating new forms of deception in a supposed civilized civilization. The level of deception and confusion that we see is on hyperspeed and is worldwide. A moral departure from truth and a surge of moral confusion and societal deception is front and center. Wokeness, you probably heard that statement. Wokeness means enlightenment. But I want you to understand that Satan is an angel of light. And we need to be careful with these words that are out there because it's, it's, it's deemed to try to make you feel foolish and old-fashioned. But I can assure you, if you are a Bible-believing Christian, you are not old-fashioned. You know exactly what is going on. From entertainment to sports to news, we are always being preached messages. And seeing the narratives behind each message is a full-time job. Isaiah would prophesy, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Then the, then it, the Bible says in 1 John 4, 3, that deception and the spirit of Antichrist, the Bible says is, this is the spirit of Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and now already in the world. This is back then the spirit of Antichrist was here. Then in 2 Thessalonians, it says, for this lawlessness is already at work secretly. But you can see that the secrets are coming out, right? And it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. That's the church. The rapture of the church. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come and do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. You see, even signs and miracles can be done by evil. And we need to be alert of the things that are going on. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those that are on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Deception is expected in the world, right? The world today is clueless and has so much animosity towards good. Even in the supernatural realm, there are deceptive false lights and false morality and false unity. Everybody is talking about unity, but they want to unify around the things that opposes God. The demonic realm is now mainstream. Everyone has a point of view and a platform. The argumentative debater can let loose from his mother's basement. The mentality now is since there is no truth, Every area of life is up for grabs. Romans 1, 21 and 22 says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their futile heart, foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. See, the rejection of truth 
brings absolute futility. And there's a massive deception that puts Christianity into a terrorist group. And that just simply is not true. My goal is not to spend time bringing out individual deception because there are things that are probably coming to your mind even as we talk tonight. But surely if you are mindful of these things, you will see them front and center. My goal in this message is to make you aware that these things have always been, but you will see them sandwiched together and continually moving forward and getting worse as things go down the road. But we must make a decision as Bible-believing Christians and as a church to stand on the Word of God and live by the dictates that God has laid out in His Word. Amen? Now look at deception in the church. It says, many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. This verse tells us two things, that there would be people that would come and say, literally, I'm the Messiah. I looked it up, and there was at least 48 that verbally claimed to be, on a mass scale, the Messiah. Remember David Koresh? Jesus with glasses, huh? Then there was the guy in Miami that claimed to be Jesus. And in fact, in uh, the Middle East, in Islam, they claim that the Mahdi, which is a leader, will come out of the desert and lead his people. And you have to understand, Islam has their own beliefs when it comes to the end times, just as the Bible and Christians believe that there's a, a, a leader at the end times. And they claim he lives in the desert. But I like what Jesus said here. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive you, possible even the elect. See, I have told you. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Jesus already headed off <laughs> that belief. Then there's a second meaning that in the Greek, it says that they, that many will come in the strength and reputation of his name. Paul would back this up into his letter to Timothy. I'm going to give you a lot of verses. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith and they will follow deceptive spirits and teaching that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. Now, obviously, over the years, we've seen multiple ministries go off track, right? Whether it's scandal or money or whatever it is. So we see this coming to pass. We see Bible teaching is considered hate speech or sometimes even considered boring. The point is just because there's a worldwide ministry or a well-known minister, that doesn't mean that they're infallible. And it's up to us to follow the teachings in the Word of God and be careful when we go down these roads. Amen? 2 Timothy 4, 3, and 5. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. See, I always would read this and I would feel bad for people, but if you read it, people that are wanting their ears tickled, is really the judgment of God upon them because they are the ones that are gathering for themselves the false teachers, the preaching of the tickling of ears, right? Or life coaching, or self-help, or even the social gospel that just stays on social issues. Now, we should deal with social issues, but there are some that just stay on the social gospel. And we must be careful that we don't tread into the abyss of false teaching and listen to demons. We must continually be faithful to the Bible as a church and as individual Christians. What an honor to live here in the last days and walk these truths out and to carry the truth into a dark and dying world. Amen? So here's the question. Are there areas of deception that you and I may have bought into, whether in the world or our belief system? Number two, wars and rumors of wars. 
the Bible says in verse 6, you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. Now, there have been wars over the years, right? World War One, World War Two, uh, the Vietnam War, the Korean War, the, the Gulf War, the Afghanistan War. War is nothing new. The word here describes armed conflict, which can be battles, fights, skirmishes, and large-scale conflicts. Jesus is saying that all of this would take place at the very end of the age. Look at what Luke says in verse, 20, verse 9. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, do not panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end will, won't follow immediately. We saw this over television, right? And it was even called an insurrection. The headlines actually read insurrections. Another translation says commotions, which describes instability because of upheavals of a societal, political, or militaristic in nature. Look what it says in verse 9 in the Amplified. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, disturbances, disorder, and confusion, do not become alarmed and panic-stricken. And terrified. Do you think we're seeing disturbances, disorder, and confusion? Don't you feel like we're living in an age of confusion even now? But Jesus would thunder back and say, do not be panic-stricken or terrified. You know why? Because he is in full control. Be not terrified or panic means to experience extreme horror or fright as a re result of something that alarms. It also means to cry out in terror or be terrorized. In other words, in Jesus' day, there would be zealots that would hang out in pockets of Israel, and they would try to overthrow Rome, and people were always walking around terrorized because they never knew if something was going to break out and start, and they would have these attacks. Do you not see that today? They come in waves, right? And we've seen this worldwide. In 2010 with Tunisia, with the Arab Spring that swept through the Middle East, North Africa, then into Egypt, Bahrain, Libya, and Syria, as well as Iran. You see this all over television. Jesus said that would happen at the same time of deception, at the same time of all of these things. And like I said earlier, all of these are on every news program, every single day, every single week, every single month. Terrorist attacks have become the new norm since September 11th and has affected every part of our planet. Schools and communities, theaters, restaurants, and churches have all felt this terror. I know this seems negative, but we're living in a very negative society. This is to bring clarity and truth. The word rumor in the Greek means an ear. It doesn't say you will see these things. It says you will hear of these things. And in fact, in the original Greek, it's, it's present tense, which means you will continually hear this in a nonstop flow. As far as war is concerned, you could just look at Ezekiel 38 and 39, and I want to encourage you to go and read that. And when we do our class, we're going to talk exactly what is going on, the nations that are mentioned, and God himself shows up and overthrows these nations that are coming after Israel. But I found this to be very interesting. In Ezekiel 38 and 13, it says, Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all his villages will say to you, have you come to capture a spoil? Now, I want you to see Ezekiel 38 tells us that there would be nations that are coming after Israel. It's Iran, Turkey, Russia, Libya, and Sudan. If you watch the news, they're in Syria, in the north part of Israel right now, just as the Bible said. And you have Sheba and Dedan, which is Saudi Arabia. And many believe that the merchants of Tarshish, or it says the young lions, or America, because out of the lion, which was Britain, came America. So you have, for the first time, these five nations, and then you have Saudi Arabia, who used to be against Israel, and now, under the last administration, have become friends with Israel, and you see America, and you see Saudi Arabia on the sideline, and look at what this transcript said from May 19, 2018. Somebody was interviewing Benjamin Netanyahu, 
And this is the question. But Iran now is aligning itself with Russia and has its proxy in Syria. Netanyahu says, yes, I think Iran wants to move its army to Syria now that the war against ISIS is winding down there. The, the interviewer said, really? Netanyahu says, yes, well, yes, because I think they're in competition for, for the spoils, if you will. Think about that. Something that was said thousands of years ago, a world leader is saying the same thing today. I'm trying to get you to see that the events that were written about in the Old Testament are front and center in the newspaper for you to see today. Number three, racial and religious division. Matthew 24, verse 7, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Another way that you know we're in the end is the, the age of the supremacy of division. Nation here is the word ethnos, where we get the word ethnic group. Today we see all around us ethnic group against ethnic group, right? We see every ideology locked horns that is known to man. We see racial, gender, political, religious, sexual division across the board in every single area of society. We see a disarray of injustices causing powder kegs on all sides in different communities. And we see it as well on a global scale as never before. We see massive disunity in the realm of government, right? In America, we see Republican and Democrat at each other's throats. And it is a complete embarrassment. Don't you agree? In the, in the Middle East, you see Shiite and Sunni Muslims. It says nation against nation. Against is the word epi. And this adds another level. It's ethnic group against ethnic group and nation against nation trying to overtake each other, forcibly going against each other. It's one trying to take out the other group. It's the, it's the word uh, as well as upon, meaning superiority to crush the other. Do you not see that today? We can see the division is more now than ever. But I'm here to encourage you tonight. We as the church need to be unified as never before. We need to be leading this by example and leaving our political stuff outside, right? When Satan comes in like a flood, God should be able to raise up the church of Jesus Christ. Because this is what the picture of the church will look like. Every tribe, every tongue, under one ideology, the banner of Jesus Christ, singing before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But the problem is we're buying in to what the world is telling us. We're buying in to what the world is preaching at us. Right now, we are on an onslaught and a battle on all fronts. It's time for us to rise up and love our neighbor, no matter what gender they are, no matter what color they are, no matter what their, their sinful lifestyle is like. We as the church need to be the one to step outside of our comfort zones and love people into the kingdom. It starts with us individually. If you want to see racism in, you should not be racist. You need to love your neighbor. If we start in our pockets of society and start loving our groups of people that we, that God has placed in our lives, eventually it will overflow. And eventually all the voices that you are hearing, the church should be the one that is louder. Satan knows that his time is short, so he is unleashing all of hell against us, and he is unleashing it, he's unleashing it on every front. He is taking every single aspect. He's coming for our children. He's coming for our marriages. He's coming for our churches. And we do not need to be lulled to sleep thinking everything is okay. It is not okay. We have the answer. We have the heart 
that Jesus placed on the inside of us. He has given us the agape love to go out and, and finish the task of the race that is set before us. Ephesians 3, 18 through 21, it says, And may you have the power to understand all of God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you ex experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. This is what we should be trying to understand. God's love. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. If the church is powerless, it's because we don't have enough love. That's what this verse is saying. Then it says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations. This verse tells us the more we understand God's love, the more we can let this stuff fall off of our back. Amen? Think about this. The Tower of Babel, when they were building it, God himself broke through the heavens and said, I got to stop this because there's nothing that they will not be able to accomplish when they are unified. How much more the church of Jesus Christ should be unified if the world can, if, if God said the world could not, if, if he didn't step in the world as the pagan world of that day would not be able to stop what he was doing, how much more with God's power should we be able to do anything for the kingdom of God? Amen? Remember, during the Tower of Babel, they came together to try to build this tower to, in their mind, to overthrow God. And at the book of Acts, when the power of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, that was a unifying power that God is still wanting to do today on this earth. Then he says kingdom against kingdom. The Greek word for kingdom is basilica, which is religion against religion. But I want to take it a step further because religion is the worship of belief systems or ideology. Or you could say ideology against ideology. It also refers to nations as we know it. So if you think about it as political parties, alliances, ideological factions, maneuvering for power. We see this by the weaponization of media and TV and social media and all these things. Some believers take more of a political stance than they do a stance for Jesus. It refers to the dominion and power of influence. All which you and I are seeing today is a religious and idea ideological war that is in an all-out battle. We are seeing the world domination of, of each superpower of belief system trying to overtake and squash the other one. This is the climate that Jesus comes back in. There, are you seeing it? Do you think I'm making more of this than it is? I just want to make sure I'm your friend, as Pastor Rob says. But truthfully, I hope this is edifying you. You don't have to be fearful and, and toss and turn and drink Maalocs. God is in control. That's why he keeps saying, fear not. Don't worry. Do not be panic stricken. Which brings us to the fourth, fourth point, famines and pestilence. There shall be famines and pestilence. And famines in the Greek is limas, and it's plural, and it's multiple famines. It also means a scarcity of grains, deficits of all types, including financial deficits and shortages. It's not just talking about physical hunger here. We know that there is hunger all over the world. I looked up some statistics. Eight billion people on this earth and one in nine suffer from chronic undernourishment, which is about 815 people. As of 2020, 32.62% of the world is food insecure, according to worldhunger.org. Not to mention water shortages all over the world. This is also a factor because of this displacement of people due to wars and chemicals. Right now, more than one billion people on this earth earn less than $1.25 a day. And Jesus is saying this would be all over the world. 
during this time. There's always been famine. There's always been famine. Also causing these things. I don't know if you saw the locusts that devoured entire farms in Africa in less than 30 seconds. These swarms are also spotted throughout the Middle East and even reached China. And they destroyed food supplies across Kenya, Somalia, and Ethiopia. Weather patterns. We know about weather patterns here, right? Such as droughts and flooding and fires burning whole cities. Lockdowns caused food shortages and lack of food movement. These things hit our food supply, just to name a few. The reason we know it's economy as well, because in Jesus' day, grains was a, a high priority to the economy of that day. You remember even earlier when Joseph would have to keep grain for, to, to stop the famine or to have food to eat during the famines. So what it's saying is there will be multiple downturns during the last days. Are you seeing that today? Shortages after shortages. Jesus was saying in the last days there will be, there will be shortages of all sorts. And this is a staple in these last days alongside of everything else that we just mentioned. And we still have more to go. Mark 13 verse 8, it says, and there shall be famines and troubles, it says. Troubles in the Greek means stirred up, agitated, anxious, turmoil. Are you seeing that in the streets today? We have seen this on multiple fronts, and you can see our currency teetering. The book of Revelation says eventually a massive inflation comes, and ultimately it will usher in the mark of the beast system. We can see a foreshadowing of that even now, right? I was reading yesterday just in New York that regardless of where you are with the vaccine, that you cannot go in places such as restaurants unless you can show the proof that you've been vaccinated. Now, I want to say this is not the mark of the beast. If, if you want to get the vaccine, just tell them you want it in your left arm. <laughs> don't get it in your right hand or your forehead. I don't know if anybody that got a vaccine in their forehead either, by the way. But the point is, this is a foreshadow of what you can see coming down the road, right? Do not be alarmed. You can hear the, the hoofbeats of the four horsemen even now. Then it says there shall be pestilence. In the Greek, it's loimos, and it's a medical term for disease, and it's plural. There will be multiple pestilences, and this is what it means in the Greek. Old diseases being reactivated or new diseases emerging. Now, as a hypochondriac, <laughs> I am big on this one. There's always been disease, right? But we are seeing pestilence and pandemics. I want you to understand, no matter where you are on COVID, whether you believe it's man-made, whether you believe it's natural, that's not the point. Jesus is saying in the last days, you will see pestilence and pandemics. There's an eruption of multiple, multiple diseases from STDs to HIV. We saw Ebola come back a couple of years ago. Swine flu, bird flu, and all the other flus. And they branch off into different strands. Lord, help us. AIDS alone wiped out 35 million people since 1981. And worldwide, we are seeing 2 million cases every year. Right now, there are approximately 37 million people who are living with HIV around the world. Jesus said we would see pandemics and pestilence in the last days. This is a statement from the World Health Organization. In this stage of history, professionals predict that directly before us will be the emergence of new infectious diseases and the reemergence of old diseases. That is exactly what it says in the Greek. The point is, no matter what the numbers tell us, whether they're inflated or they're accurate, political or otherwise, you see this every day on the news, and it's, the cycle is going to get worse. Eventually, in Revelation 6, 8, there's pandemics and pestilence that wipe out a quarter of mankind. 
But I believe we'll be gone in the rapture. Amen. But obviously this is not that. But once again, you're seeing it down the road. It's as if we're on the porch looking down the street. You're still with me? We still friends? Number five, earthquakes in diverse places. This is in Matthew 24, verse 7. Earthquakes is seismos, which means multiple seismic activity. Jesus is telling us that there will be multiple seismic activity in large size and numerous is what it means. Luke adds in Luke 21, 11, and great earthquakes shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilence. Then it says, and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. This thing is just getting worse and worse. The United States Geological Survey said that there are several million earthquakes that happen each year in different ranges. There are some spots where they are not even able to check the earthquakes, but they believe that it is happening. Romans 8.22 tells us that the earth is groaning for redemption. You and I are feeling the earth groaning for redemption because we plummeted the earth at the fall through Adam and Eve. Luke 21, 25 says, and there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and upon the earth dismay among nations in the perplexity at the roaring of the seas. I want you to see what that word roaring is. In the Greek, it means echo. I don't remember, know if you remember a couple of years back during Christmas, there was a, a, a tsunami that hit Indonesia and there were people that were on the top balcony of a hotel and they said when that it, when that swarm and that, uh, uh, whatever word I was just saying, tsunami, there you go. When that tsunami hit, it was, they heard, it sounded like a lion roaring and it made an echo. This is an eyewitness account. What's happening is under the ground, you're having a plate shifting and it's sucking the water in and throwing it back out. That is what is happening all over the world with these earthquakes. And I find it interesting that the, the actual word that the Bible uses is what these people said that they heard. It's amazing. Then it says fearful sights. All right. This word is phobotron, which the Greeks referred to as monsters. <laughs> I know. I was kind of startled with that. Monsters from heaven. I don't, I looked this up. I mean, I spent a whole lot of time looking this up. Nobody says that it's monsters. They don't know what it is, but it's monstrous activity. In other words, it's so fearful of the things that are coming. It brings this horror as if you were seeing monsters. It could be asteroids. It could be a nuclear whatever going off. You've been hearing a lot lately about these UFOs, right? Listen, I don't want to just, you know, I don't know where you are with UFOs and Bigfoot and all that stuff, but all I know is there are principalities in the air, and I would not be surprised if they break through into our dimension. Remember in the Old Testament, they saw some weird stuff. And this could be the reason that they say for the rapture of the church. They have to have some kind of explanation. And I will move on from that. Then it says great signs from heaven. This could be solar flares, meteor, asteroids. We just don't know. We remember that we saw the blood moons that fell on the, on the four feast days. There's also the Revelation 12 sign, which, once again, these are all thoughts. Nobody knows, okay? But you could do all this research on your own. I've seen on YouTube, and I'm not saying YouTube is credible, but I've also seen it on the news, and you might have seen it of people going outside on their cell phones and hearing trumpets all over the earth at one time. That's amazing. I still haven't found out what that is, but I'm just saying there are things that are out there that we may begin to see as we go further down, and it's supernatural in nature, and there's things that we cannot, cannot explain. During the tribulation, there are locusts that come out the ground and sting men for five months, and they can't die. I cannot explain that, and I can't Greek word it to death. We don't know what that is. But it does say that it will be mega, great. In other words, it will be undeniable, these things that we see. You still with me? Persecution, number six, 
Matthew 24, 8 through 9. And all these things are the beginning of sorrows. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you be hated by all nations for my sake. Afflicted is the lipsis. It means to be trapped and unable to move. Pressure. It could be pressure from family, society, politics, your job, hostility towards your faith. It's a picture of being bullied or harassed or threatened. Killed, it means losing your life. And you see this with China killing Christians. And, and all the, you, you, you mean you hear testimony, you've, Fabian has stood up here and told you about ISIS and everything that is going on around the world. It says hated, which means a disgust, repulse, more than a simple dislike, but a, a hatred from the innermost being towards Christianity. Matthew 24, 10, and many shall be offended and shall betray one another and they shall hate one another. Offended in the Greek is scandalon and it's the trigger on the trap. It's where we get the word scandal from. Christians are considered scandalous bigots because we have a biblical viewpoint. We're considered narrow minded. Well, the Bible says narrow is the way that leads to, to, to heaven. And broad is the way that leads to de death and destruction. Jesus says, enter in through the narrow gate. I don't me mind being narrow-minded because it's biblical mindset. It's a biblical mindset. And this is basically not giving in to the deception that we spoke about earlier. During the first century, Christians were considered to be inclusive. And, and they were considered to be Hateful because they wouldn't just say that Jesus is a God. They would say Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the master. Paul would have, could have not have been killed if he would have just walked around saying Jesus is a God. It's because he said, no, there is no other God but Christ. And we say that again today. Everything else is demon spirits. Betray means to be handed over and delivered to the authorities. Look what it says in verse 12 of Luke. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up into the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my namesake. Lay hands means to arrest and vigorously persecute and hunt you. You still with me? Persecute is, means to entrap you. Delivering means to lead you off as a prisoner. Remember, synagogues were used for religious services, but they were also used to judge Jewish law. Remember, Jesus was brought before the Jewish synagogue and tried, and then he was sent to Pilate. So in other words, delivering into the synagogues means being brought before governing authorities. We saw this with COVID, right? We saw pastors being arrested. We saw pastors being called down upon and churches being called down upon because of gatherings and things of that nature. We're seeing it even now in Canada. Here's the latest data. Christian persecution is higher today than any other time in modern history. 309 million Christians experience high levels of persecution in just the top 50 world's watch list countries. One in eight Christians worldwide as of 2021 experienced high levels of persecution. 4,761 Christians were killed for faith-related reasons. 4,488 Christians were detained without trial, arrested and sentenced in these 50 countries. And 4,277 churches or Christian buildings were attacked. To give you some perspective, in Jesus' day, there were approximately 60 million people living in the Roman Empire. Persecution is five times that amount today. Do you believe we're living in the last days? And that's just before the tribulation period. This is telling us in the last days, governing powers will be able to bring judgments of those who do not follow new societal standards. Are you seeing this today? But we should not fear. 
Because I believe that that will bring in the greatest move of the kingdom of God. When the church gets pinched or back into, backed into the wall, that's when we begin to cry out. And that's when God shows up. I'm mighty afraid that is what we need to wake up off of the pew. Amen? Myself included. We all have a level that we can get to that we are presently not at. We're seeing overseas Muslims are being killed for their faith in Christ that are coming to Christ. And Jesus is showing up and it is causing multiple. uh I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Revival to take place. Revival is happening all over the world. You see, what's happening is the sheeps and goat are being or sheep and goat, sheeps and goat. Nathan probably like. That's not English. What's happening is we're seeing where we are. The wheat and tares are being shown. Am I in the kingdom of light or am I in the kingdom of darkness? Can I encourage you tonight to slow down and take a step back and ask God those questions in your own life? This is not business as usual. We need to lay down pet sins that we pet. We need to lay down the offense that we have. This is the church's greatest hour. Of all the people that could be here, not Paul, not Peter, you and I are here during these last days. God knew exactly what he was doing when he placed you in these last days. And here's the last point that I want to bring out, and this might be the most important. Offense and lawlessness will be huge in the last days and cause cold love. Matthew 24, 10 through 12. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. One of the biggest signs that we are in the end is the spirit of offense that has been unleashed like never before. Offense has birthed the cancel culture. Offense is given in the world that we live in, right? Lawlessness and iniquity. Lawlessness is some of what the translations say in other, in other translations. And it means to live without law or have a lawless attitude. Abound means to increase to maximum capacity. Let's look at the context here. Grow cold means a cold breeze that blows and eventually freezes. Now, the question is, are these believers or the world? I submit to you tonight, this is the church. Because simply the word that is used is agape. And God gives his church, the believers, agape love. And we are to filter that love to the world. The world does not experience agape love from one to another. This is unconditional Holy Spirit birth love. That's why it says do not love the world nor the things in the world. It don't mean that you don't love the world. It means don't have agape love for the world system. That is what it means in the Greek. Out of all these things that we mentioned tonight, this is the biggest threat to us. If the church loses its ability to love, we are done. We are just another voice crying in the wilderness. We're a, a religious uh, hot club or hot club, hot tub or a religious uh, group without the love of Christ. Without our ability to love, we lose everything. We lose influence. We're just another voice. Many means most. The word offended in the Greek is once again scandalon. It literally means the trigger of the trap. And offense is meant to trap you like a mousetrap. It's, it's meant to try to isolate you where you cannot receive from a brother or sister or you cannot receive from a church. And you probably know people that have been offended and now they are sidelined in their faith. Not to mention, we tie God's hands on being able to receive because the Bible says that we need to go make it right with our brothers and sisters. Now, I'm going to tread lightly here, but we have seen recent lawlessness in the streets that has caused everyone to have an opinion. Was it riots or was it protest? Right? Everybody has an opinion. 
whether you're pro-police, anti-police, Republican, Democrat, pro-vaccination, anti-vaccination, climate change, whatever list that you can bring, it has caused people's opinion and has caused them to be divided within the church. We are, we understand this in the world, but this ought not be in the church. All of these very unfortunate incidences have happened. But we do not need to get involved in the civil affairs of a situation that does not meant to be fixed. The Bible does not say all these things happen and, and we fix it, then Jesus comes back. And I told you earlier, the way that we handle issues is that we deal with them in our own life. And we deal with them in our own circle, in our own family, not over social media. The Bible doesn't say the more we understand the talking points of, of the news and social media. It says the more that we learn to love. The only way that you can learn to love is to not get caught up in offense of the things that we're seeing. And the whole reason that I wanted to tell you this tonight is so you could see Jesus said this is how it would be. And he is warning his bride to step up and see above what you're seeing and realize that there is a kingdom that is coming that will smash this kingdom that we are on right now. So we need to get our mindset that we need to keep our eyes on the kingdom and keep the kingdom principles flowing in our life so we can reach a lost and dying world. We may not be able to stop earthquakes and famines and cataclysmic events, and fearful signs, and persecution. But we can stop ourselves from going, growing cold in love. We can stop the earthquake of eruptions in our conversations with one another. We can stop verbal assassinations of each other and persecution. We can stop the famines of love and respect and understanding that we have for each other. We can stop the deception that we take in. We can stop the sickness and pestilence and callousness of our soul that leads to offense. As we finish our race for the kingdom of God, this is the church's finest hour. This race transcends what you and I are seeing. Please listen to me. Keep your eyes above the waves that you are seeing and have the mind of Christ in every dealing that you have with your neighbor, at work, at school, in church. Realize once again that Jesus does not say in racism and ethnic group and government trouble and all of this stuff stops. He comes in the midst of this. The world wants you to think that these things are fixable. They are not fixable outside of the love of Christ. They are not. If you notice, talking points change. We get one situation fixed, then something else comes. Then another offense happens. It's like playing that game that you're trying to hit the alligators that pop up. Satan's plan is to divide the body of Christ and take away your voice and, and silence your heart. And he wants you to be mad at your neighbor. He wants you to look at their political post or their rent. And he wants you to say, I'll never talk to that person again. And that's the one that God is probably saying, I need you to go wrap your arm around them and love them. Yeah. Psalms 133 says, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard. Even Aaron's beard coming down the edges of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For the Lord commands the blessing. This is speaking of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which every one of us needs. You want to see healing? You want to see the power of God released in your midst? Lay down the offense. Lay down the mindsets that the world is trying to spoon feed you and pick up the kingdom of God and run with the cross into the darkness of the night. Amen. Religion holds offense because it measures people against people. It measures belief system against belief system. But relationship measures yourself against Christ. You want to talk about offense? We offend Christ every single day, yet we expect his agape love to flood our hearts and minds, right? 
How hypocritical are we when we get side, sideways or crossed with a believer that's just trying to live their life alongside of you? Nobody has it all together. Nobody has all the answers. Every person is hurting. They have their own set of belief systems. And they're crushed in their own spirit too. But we need to look beyond that and see what Christ sees. Proverbs 18, 19 says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. When you're offended, you're in your own private cell, and you're wondering why I can't hear God. You wonder why I can't feel God. Maybe God is saying, I need you to make it right with your brother. I need you to make it right with your wife. I need you to make it right with your child, with your dad, with a church member. I want to finish with this verse, and here's the life application. It's very simple. Luke 21, 28. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Amen. Praise God. All of these signs that we just talked about, Jesus is talking in the realm of second, the second coming. Back up seven years. How close do you think we are to the rapture of the church? That is amazing. Here's the application. I know that you need to know that this is part of the course. You need to know that Jesus loves us, and that is why he warned us, and he does not want us to fear. Number two, we need to keep our eyes. In other words, don't be down and depressed. We need to look up beyond the situation into the third heaven and realize that soon and very soon, the trumpet is going to sound. And we are going to leave this earth. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Don't you think we need some encouragement tonight? When you're in bed at night and you're worried about the next day, when you're in a doctor visit and you're worried about the test results, Jesus could come back. And number three, keep our hearts clear and minds clear of offense. Listen, God is going to do what he does on this earth. He's going to pour out his spirit. The question is, are you going to be sidelined or are you going to be a part of it? God is sovereign and he is providential and he will carry out everything that he has set out to do. You and I get to be a part of it. Amen? Amen. Can we stand? Thank you. I know we're a little late, but... <laughs> With every head bowed and every eye closed, now is the time to make it right with Christ. If you could say that I do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I just want you to slip up your hand and I want to pray for you. Or you might say my relationship with with Christ is teetering. I'm so steeped in offense and I need forgiveness. Let me just see your hand and I just want to pray for you. Hand, I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on, don't be shy. Jesus is looking. Now is your, I see your hand. Praise God. I want to give you an opportunity. Dear Heavenly Father, pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. And I ask you to forgive me of all sin. I repent. I believe that you died on the cross in my place and rose from the grave on the third day. I put my faith and my trust in your ability to save. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Come on, give them a round of applause. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer before, I want you to fill out the card in the pew in front of you. And before you go, just let me pray. You might need to repent. Come on, maybe we've gotten off 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 track in our own personal spiritual lives. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you can say, I need to repent. Maybe you're in offense. Maybe you're you're struggling with sin. Now's the time to make it right. The trump could sound before we leave this room tonight. Father, we just ask that you would forgive us, that you would cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Father, we choose to keep our eyes on the kingdom and off of the things that are causing offense. 
Lord, we thank you that your word has told us how, the, how it would be in the last days. And Father, we thank you that we have this revelation of your word. And we ask that you would keep our hearts pure, that you would keep our hearts in agape love. And the, Lord, that we would walk this faith out with our neighbors and show this world the love of Christ. And it's in Jesus' name I pray and ask. And the church said, amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, thank you for being here tonight. God bless you and good night. Sleep good.